0: If you got your Bibles, let's turn to a very familiar verse, uh, Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. I'm really going to focus on verse 8 this morning as we stand in honor of reading God's Word. But I want us to begin with verse 4, uh, get a little bit of the context that we'll be looking at. And again, this is very, for, for, for many of you, this is a very familiar passage. It's one of. The five great commissions. It's the great. There's one great commission, but it's stated five different ways in the four Gospels and in the Book of Acts. It's what we're to be about as a church, as Christ followers. In verse four, he says, "While he was going, or while he was together with them, he commanded them not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise." This he said is what you heard from me. For John baptized with water. But you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. We know in Acts chapter 2 is when the Holy Spirit descended upon the church. It says, so they, when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, at this time, are you restoring the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or periods that the father has set by his own authority. So many Christians spend much more time trying to figure out something that Jesus said wasn't for us to know than they do obeying what he said next in verse 8. In verse 8, he said, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends, or as the King James says, the uttermost parts. Of the earth. Father, we see this as a mandate from you, and we confess that we have fallen so short of obedience to this. And Lord, I pray that as individuals, as families, and as a church this morning, we would renew our commitment to being Acts 1 8 believers, that we would renew our commitment to tell the story of Jesus, that we would discover that we have been truly equipped. For this task, you teach us, you guide us, you empower us this morning, we pray in Jesus name, amen, and you can be seated. you know Wednesday night uh, I had the joy of being well, we, we didn 't have our men 's Bible study here, so I had the joy of being with our students over at uh, the rec department as we had a guest speaker who did a great job breaking down the text and and our uh, some of our people were involved uh, uh, leading the worship there uh, under a pavilion, and there was a phenomenal turnout. I mean, kids from youth groups and kids from all over Madison County, Uh, I really, I thought there would be about half as many students show up for this uh, because everybody was getting ready for school to be out, or maybe school had just gotten out for most of them, And, and so I was surprised to see so many teenagers, middle school and high school students, gathered not only under that pavilion, but kind of overflowing from the pavilion and around it and in the grass and everywhere else. And then, then when the speaker was beginning to speak, I mean, he took uh, Acts chapter 17 and began to explain the text in a way that young people could get it. And, and, and I really appreciated his message. But I also, as a pastor and one kind of standing there observing all that was going on and enjoying his message, I was watching the response of others to his message. And I noticed that there was a kind of a core group of teenagers. You know, they were the ones that always want to sit toward the front, sit kind of under the spout where the glory comes out, so to speak. But they were kind of sitting there, and they were in tune. They were like ready to listen to what the speaker had to say. And then there were others that perhaps didn't plan to get a message from God, but he got their attention. And so they were kind of under the pavilion or, or, or close to the front of the pavilion, and they were kind of listening. And then there were yet still others who were under the pavilion and many outside of the pavilion, who weren't quite paying attention, you know, they were they were kind of looking around, and they were uh, maybe you know popping open another uh, Coke or something to drink, and and, and 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 playing with their water bottle, and one you know looking at their their phone or their watch, wondering what time it was going to end, and, and those were the ones I'm I'm like man man listen, what this man is saying is so important. You don't want to miss it. And so I'm watching because I'm usually, I usually have this perspective, right? I'm usually looking from uh, the, the pulpit. But Wednesday night I was able to just sit back and, and so I, I saw the kids who weren't paying. It. And then there were others. Not only were they were not paying attention, they were determined to be a distraction. They were aggravating their friends and some of them that were further among the friends, you know the ones, they all, right when the Spirit of God is about to say the most powerful thing, they're the ones that they're going to get up and go to the bathroom and take three buddies with them. And you're like, ah! you know, you want them to, you don't want them to miss a single word or distract anybody else from what God is saying. And so I'm sitting there and I'm praying and I'm telling some guys, shh, 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 listen to what he's saying. And, and, and I'm trying to be engaged. And I'm like, man, what a what a task to to speak to people. And, and, and I found myself going, Lord, I just want all of them to pay attention and and to listen and and hear, like that that group that's sitting up front. And I felt the Spirit of God say to my spirit at that moment, now you know how I feel. (laughs) Now you know how I feel. And it's as if God is looking at this world, and yeah, there's a small group that's saying, yes, Lord, we're ready to do what you say and go where you sin. But for most of the world, they, they don't care what God has to say. They're not paying attention. Some want to be next to some re- religious activities, but they don't want to be in the presence of Almighty God seeing their life changed. And while I was sitting there and I wanted to just say, excuse me, speaker, stop for a minute. Guys, listen, this is important. You've got to hear what he's saying. You don't want to miss it. You don't want to distract. You don't want somebody else to jeopardize their eternity because you were distracting them and not paying attention and God was saying that's how I feel God is screaming at us to get our attention you say no no God's not screaming he's a perfect gentleman right Romans chapter 1 and verse 20 Hebrews 1 and 2 tell us God has spoken to us in these last days through his son His word and His communication to us is loud and clear. So often we're not listening. His commission to us and the gospel He has commissioned us to share has been made available. And it is the most urgent responsibility that we have to share the good news of Jesus Christ to a lost world. A world that's not even aware of the bad news that we fall short of the 613 law codes in the Old Testament that would define what holiness is all about. And we say, man, I could never keep that. And Paul said, those 10 commandments and those law codes in the Old Testament are a schoolmaster showing me my need for grace. And, and often we're just not hearing it, we're not sharing it, we're not communicating it. And then coming through with the gospel, the powerful message of Christ in the New Testament. And so when you come to Acts chapter 1, it's interesting that uh, from verse 4 to verse 11, we move kind of from wait to what are you waiting for, so to speak. It's like, all right, you're going to wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit, but don't just stand gazing up into heavens. Expect that the Holy Spirit is going to do something in you to move you that you're not just sitting around, according to verse 7, trying to figure out the times and the seasons and, and read everything that's going on in the Middle East and say, is it going to happen this week or next week or all these signs of the times? I get those questions all the time. I can tell you one thing, we are one day closer to the return of Christ than we were yesterday. And tomorrow, if the Lord tarries, we'll be one day closer than we were today. And the message of the gospel is so urgent that we need to be communicating it. The difference is going to be in verse 8. What we do with verse 8 this morning, you are equipped to tell. You are equipped to tell the greatest story that's ever been written, a true story, the story of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the good news. We have to understand the bad news in order to tell the good news, the bad news that we have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But the good news that Jesus saves. And so I just want to share a a couple of things with you in this area of equipping as we close out this series this morning. We have seen so many things that God has done to equip us this morning. I want you to know something. You are empowered by the Holy Spirit. We've talked about that, right? We've talked about the Spirit-filled life in recent weeks. Why does the Spirit of God empower us so that we might be witnesses? He says, you shall receive. You, my disciples, you, those who follow me, you shall receive this power. Many will point out that the word power here is dunamis in the Greek, and it's where we get our word dynamite. And so sometimes we forget that dynamite had not been invented yet, and so we think of the power as boom, explosive. And and so it's got to describe our, our worship services and everything else. But This power is a sustaining power. It's an emboldening power, It's something that helps you to be a better witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. It's the power to live the life, to live the testimony of a Christian before your friends and before your family members so that you're a living witness. But then it's the power to give you the boldness and the clarity to share the gospel of Christ. It's a power that's already bound up in the gospel itself because in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16 for those of you who might feel powerless to share the gospel Romans 1 16, Paul says I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God and the salvation so there's power in that very message and when you're sharing the gospel you can't help but be empowered by the gospel and the spirit of God now Paul makes it clear where his power was coming from when he is out there witnessing and, and planning churches and uh, suffering great persecution. And if you'll turn, just kind of hold your place there in Acts 1 8. You're familiar with that verse, but I want you to flip over to 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, the end of chapter 1, and the beginning of chapter 2. In chapter 1, in verse 22, for the Jews ask for signs. And the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's power and wisdom, because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom, and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. The power in the message, chapter 2, he says it this way, the first four verses. When I came to you, brothers, announcing the testimony of God to you, I did not come with brilliance of speech or wisdom. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. My speech and my proclamation were not with persuasive words of wisdom, but with demonstration of the Spirit and power. What Paul was saying is that in and of myself, it would be unexplainable what God was doing in and through me, except for the power of God that was on me and the power of God that was on the message of the cross. And so he's empowering the word of God and the gospel of Christ, and he's also empowering his witness. And he, when he empowers his witness, he begins to prompt us by the Holy Spirit. Remember in Acts chapter 8, when you read about Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, in verse 26 of Acts chapter 8, you see that there was an angel or a messenger, depending on how you interpret that word, that told Philip, hey, you need to go and you need to run down that chariot. You need to speak with that Ethiopian. And so he was obedient there, but then it said the Spirit of God then told him in verse 29. So it's the Holy Spirit that is prompting Philip to share the gospel with an Ethiopian Who, the best we can understand from history, after he got saved, took the gospel back to his region of the world, and and we see a revival that takes place there, according to many scholars and historians, because he was trying to figure out the book of Isaiah, and Philip explained it to him, that spirit-filled deacon that you read about in Acts chapter 7. So he not only prompts us, he begins to give us the words to speak the truth. He gives us the, the boldness to speak the truth. After the church had prayed in Acts chapter 4 and verse 31, it says that the place where they assembled, where they were praying, notice they didn't, they, they didn't pray that God would deliver them from the, those who were persecuting them. They prayed that in spite of the persecution, they would have the boldness to still be missional and share the gospel. And so after they prayed, the place that they assembled were, was shaken, it says, and as a result of that, they all spoke the word of God with boldness. They had the courage to share the gospel. And so we need to pray and ask God for that same power, that courage, that boldness to share with our classmates, with our coworkers, with those who live in our neighborhood, with those we come in contact with on a regular basis. Let it be out of the overflow of you walking in the Spirit, that the Spirit might empower you to be His witness. The Holy Spirit is not empowering us just for our own well-being. Is it for our own good many times? Absolutely, but it's so that he can use us as an instrument in the lives of others. To the point that I believe, if you're, you might say, well, I, I want to be a better witness. I want to be a better witness. I want to know how to better share my faith, and we should be good students of how to do that. But I want us to get to a place in our life where we're so filled with the Spirit of God that were kind of like Jeremiah was in Jeremiah 29 when he said, you know, I had said this. He says, if I had not spoken your word, it would have become like a, it would come like a fire shut up in my bones, where I couldn't help but share it. And so we want to be so filled with the Spirit of God, so saturated with the Word of God that we just can't help ourselves. We've got to tell people about Jesus and what it means to have a relationship with him. And so you are empowered by the Spirit of God. Now, secondly this morning, I want you to see you're not only empowered by the Spirit of God, you are entrusted. You have been entrusted with the strategy of the gospel. What was the gospel strategy? It's right here in Acts 1-8. You shall be my witnesses. In what places? Jerusalem? That means close to home, that religious community that they had grown up in. That was Jerusalem. And he says, so right there around your home, right there where you've grown up, right there where you know people, you're going to be my witnesses. And then in all Judea, that surrounding area, you're going to get out of this religious city and you're going to go to other places and you're going to share the gospel in and, and a somewhat familiar territory, but it's going to require you to, to go somewhere. And then in Samaria, we can look at Samaria from a couple of different angles. Uh, Samaria could be the next area over. We might would say, well, our Judea is the state of Georgia or North Georgia or Madison County or whatever, but, but Samaria we could look at as maybe that's like South Carolina where our kids are going uh, to, on mission trip this summer, huge camp. But the Samaritans were different, remember? The Samaritans were despised by the Jews. and I think God is calling us. I know that he's pressed upon my heart as a pastor that we work harder to reach people who aren't like us. Jesus said he had to go through Samaria. It became a priority to go to people who had been despised and rejected by the Jewish people. And then the uttermost parts of the world. In Matthew, in his gospel, he concludes it, chapter 28, 19, and 20, the Great Commission, this way. He says, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you, and I am with you always. Now, we like to quote that part. Hey, Jesus said he is with you always. Keep the context as you are going. You want to be aware of the presence of God like never before? Go as his witness in his power. And so we see that he was connecting with people, caring for people, and clarifying the gospel. Let's break that down a little bit this morning. If you're going to go into all nations, that means you need to connect with people. Going means go where people are. Go and connect with people. What's your Judea? Who are your family members that don't know Christ? Who are the people, to quote the song from Sesame Street, who are the people in your neighborhood? Who are the people that you meet each day, right? Right? Who are the people in, in your comfort zone? That's your Judea. That's your Jerusalem. The, the, the place that you work, the place you go to school, the hobbies that you embrace, the, the sports that you play. Those are venues in which you're rubbing elbows with people. And I didn't understand that as much when I first became pastor here. And I probably made a lot of mistakes, but one of them was I would get frustrated because. I thought that the dad who was coaching T-ball should take a break on Monday nights and come up to the church and do visitation with me so we could go knock on doors together. And then I started coaching T-ball, and I'm like, why are we knocking on doors when if you coach T-ball, they all come to you? And you can share the gospel with them. And you can invite them to come to a place of worship with you. Go where people are. As I mentioned before, the the Samaritan woman, Jesus, in John chapter 4, said, Uh, must needs, it says in the King James, some translations, he had to go. It was part of his strategy. He says, I'm going to go where those who have been rejected, those who have been despised by others, because he was certainly one who was despised and rejected. And so if minorities come into your community, you better go overboard to go out of your way to reach them too. That's what Jesus would do. People who aren't like you, and they're not from the same socioeconomic listen, I know that the political world seems to glorify the middle class, and it seems like that churches are made up primarily of the middle class. But God wants to reach the poor and the wealthy as well with the gospel of Christ. So that means you need to build relationships with people who aren't like you. You need to connect with people. In Luke 19.10, Jesus, when he called Zacchaeus down and went to his house, remember, he was, he was a despised man, Zacchaeus was. But Jesus said, this is why I came, to seek and to save the lost. And so think about not only those people in your comfort zone, those people uh, that you hang out with. Think about people that you would have to go out of your way, people that you might have to leave your comfort zone in order to connect with. It's my prayer that our church will do that. Now listen, we've been really, really good about being a lighthouse to our neighbors and reaching people like us, and we want to grow in that. And, And we've been good about going overseas. I can't wait now we're about a month away from our trip to Peru, and we've been as a church in about 40 different nations with mission teams. I love that. But in between going to the nations and reaching those in our comfort zone, there are people in our communities, people in our state, and people in our nation who aren't like us, and they need the gospel, and they need to know that they are welcome in the family of God. We need to take this message with us it's not about just hey i'm coming to church it's that when we walk through those doors that is our mission field and we're taking the gospel of jesus christ to those who aren't here listen if we come to church and uh i remember when when my kids were real little it seemed like every time there was a special event how many of you can identify with this every time there was a special event at church one of the kids are sick been there moms dads. one of the kids were sick there's something special. Man, we're going to have a good uh, fellowship after church today. One of the kids are sick. Well, guess what? I'm the preacher. So guess who had to stay home? Tina. But every time I would come here, I remember those, those years when my kids were little, where's, where's Tina? Well, Kent, man, he, he threw up right before we walked out. I'm just kidding, Kent. He got sick right before we came to worship, and Tina wasn't able to come. And here's what, here's what the sweet ladies would always do at Trinity Baptist Church, they would say, well, let me fix her a plate. Let me fix something for you to take home to her. And listen, there are folks that aren't here under the sound of my voice and at churches all across this state and nation today, but there are a lot more people who aren't here. There are a lot more people who aren't under the sound of the gospel And so as you come, I pray that you will amen and take notes and that God will fill your cup. But I pray that every time you're under the sound of the word of God, you will also be saying, who is not here? Who's missing out on the good news of the gospel so that I can fix them a plate? So that I can take something to them. And listen, if you can talk them into coming and sitting under the sound of the gospel, great. But what's even better than that is when you fix a plate, when you say, I'm going to learn how to share this gospel, and I'm going to take that plate to them and tell them that Jesus loves them so that when they come with me, we're celebrating what God's already doing in their life. We've got to connect with people. Then we've got to care for people. We have to care for people. Witnesses That word martyrios in the Greek where we get our word martyr means they were risking something. And every time we care for people and we become vulnerable, we're risking something. But we're caring. And we're building bridges. We're building relationships. Why did Jesus go through Samaria in John chapter 4? Because he cared. And there was a woman there that even though he would ask her for a drink of water, He would offer her living water that would be like a well springing up into eternal life. Why do we take the gospel to our neighbors? Because we care. And we can demonstrate that care in so many ways to open a door for the gospel. That new neighbor moves into your community, you be the one that shows up with a plate of brownies and say, welcome to my neighborhood. And you don't have to beat them upside the head with a 30-pound Bible the first time they show up. But you start showing them that you care. And then you're going to have an intentional strategy so that you can share the love of Christ and communicate the gospel. But first, demonstrate that you really care. Why are we going back to Peru this this summer? Last summer, I had the opportunity to go with Finney Matthews and a team there with Alpha International Ministries. And as I'm teaching pastors and I'm seeing a desire to reach more students and more children with what they're doing. And then Pastor Pablo, who you met last fall when he was in the States and was able to come and share and speak to us here at Trinity. Pastor Pablo stood at the end of a table, and I was seated right there at the end, right next to him, as he began to share. And as Pastor Pablo shared, tears began to come down his eyes, and he says, our pastor's families. And Pastor Pablo ministers to dozens and dozens of other pastors over there. But he says, our pastor's children are not coming to faith in Christ. Our our pastor's kids, their own families aren't embracing the gospel. He said, we need somebody to come help us train pastors to win even their own families to Christ. And I began in my heart, someplace I had never been and a man I had never met, I began to care. And I said, you know, I know it costs a lot of money But I can come back and we can bring a team. We can bring some teams that can minister to students. We can bring people that are ministering to children. And so this summer I'm going back and there's nine going with me from our church. Why? Because when you begin to care, you can't help but want to go and help them out. And so you you connect with people. And as you connect with people, you begin to care for people. Now, sometimes we get that backwards. We say, well, God, we come to the altar. God, just give me a burden. If I'll care for people, then I'll go and connect with people. In Matthew's gospel, he says what Jesus went out ministering and touching the people and healing people and preaching the gospel. Then he saw the multitudes and he felt compassion. More often than not, your compassion will come after your obedience. When you've been obedient to share the gospel, you'll start to care for the people, and you'll want to see God open up more doors. And then in that same passage in Matthew's gospel, he says, therefore, pray for the Lord of the harvest to bring up, raise up laborers, those who will do the work, who will be obedient to share the gospel. And then as they do that, they'll start feeling the same compassion. And then finally, not only connect with people and care for people, clarify the gospel. Clarify the gospel. If we leave off this part, we are nothing more than a social ministry helping people spend eternity separated from God, but knowing that somebody cared this side of heaven. But we've got to care enough to clarify the gospel. Don't stop short of this goal. Could you imagine? Ladies, any of you have husbands that are hard to get to go to the doctor? You just cannot talk them into going to the doctor? You know what I'm talking about? Some of us men, we're lousy about it. It's been a long time since I went to the doctor. You have a hard time getting to Could you imagine there's somebody in your family, you know that they're dealing with something that there is a treatment for, if you could only get them to go to the doctor. And you try, you're like, man, if I can just get them there. Just get them to the doctor. And so you beg, and you plead, and you say, I, you know, maybe I'll get the doctor to come to the house. I don't. Know. Finally, after much begging and pleading, and, and, and all with all the earnestness you can muster, you get them to the doctor. And the doctor says, man, you got them here. Let's celebrate. And you throw a big party because you got them to the doctor. And then he sends them home. And you're like, wait a minute. You, you never treated them. <laughs> you, you said you had a treatment. You got them there for a reason, right? To, to actually give the medication or to provide a certain treatment. So many times we do things as a church in our world today to get people here, to get people to be another number, to get people to maybe even walk an aisle and say a prayer. But how many times do we communicate the gospel? I mean, listen, that's what they need. That's why they need our urgency and our our earnestness, is they need to have the gospel clarified to them. It's that it's not just merely saying a prayer or performing a ritual. You know, there's a big debate today over should we stop asking Jesus into our heart. And if you'd like to use that language, that's okay, but clarify what you mean by that because it's not a phrase that we find in Scripture. But when we clarify that and we talk about the cry of a sinner and an expression of faith, That expression of faith may take many forms like when Peter was going under and he just reached up and said, Lord, save me. But what was the gospel that we are to be proclaiming? Acts chapter 16, 31 makes it clear that it's only through the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. Believe, right? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, for by grace are you saved through faith. Faith means you have to believe, you have to put your trust in For by grace are you saved through faith. That's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not by works. You can't do anything to earn it or deserve it. We have to communicate that gospel, that it's by faith, believing on the Lord Jesus Christ, specifically in what he did for us, Romans 10, 9, and 10. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe what in our hearts? That God raised him from the dead. That was assuming that he died for our sins according to the scriptures, 1 Corinthians 15, 3, and 4. And by the way, when Paul gave us those two verses, He gave it in the context of saying, don't let anybody preach any other gospel than this, that Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, that he was buried, and that on the third day, he rose again. And in understanding that, Romans 10, 13 comes into play, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's a message of turning from sin and self and putting your faith in Jesus Christ. And turning from sin and self means it's a message of repentance. Luke 13, 3 and 5, Jesus said it twice, unless you repent, repent means to turn around. Now listen, sometimes we try to figure out, is repentance a good work that somebody does to be saved? Repentance is the other side of the coin of faith. To have the faith to turn to Jesus Christ means that you turn your back on sin and self. It all happens at the same time. I turn from sin and self and I put my trust in Jesus Christ. And so that's the gospel. And we must clarify the gospel. We, we need to make it clear. It's, it's not fake news. It's truth. It's real. It's urgent. And listen, so many things we value as a church. Jeff, I value worship. But you know, when we get to heaven, you think the Lord, he might let you lead a, a chorus or two. I don't know. You think how awesome that's going to be, Jeff? When we're in heaven... We're going to worship like never before. There's going to be some people out here, Jeff, that will blow your mind when they get to heaven because for the first time they're going to shout and they're going to raise a hand and they're going to celebrate. They might even dance because we won't have to wear the Baptist title anymore. But man, we're going to worship in heaven. When it comes to discipleship, we're going to be more close to Jesus. Learning and growing. Not seeing through a glass darkly anymore, but seeing him as he is. Oh, so many things that we value here as a church, they're going to be even so much better in heaven. Except for one. It's one thing you're not going to get to do in heaven. You're not going to get to tell lost friends and family members about Jesus in heaven. They're not going to be there. You're not going to get to knock on a neighbor's door and tell them about Jesus. You're not going to get to go to, uh, on a mission trip and share with an unreached people group the glorious riches of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so while evangelism may not be the most important thing, it's certainly the most urgent thing because there's going to come a day when we can't do it anymore. All these other things in heaven are going to be sweet. But perhaps one reason God's wiping a tear from our eyes is because we realize we've told the story for the last time. Some of us didn't tell it enough. This is our time. It's our opportunity to tell people, your friends, your family members, your Jerusalem, your Judea, your Samaria, you're equipped to do it. the, The same gospel you believe to be saved, if you're saved, just share the same message. As a famous preacher said many years ago, evangelism, witnessing, it's just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. Tell them what God did in your life. Clarify the gospel. Would you bow your heads with me this morning?